0: All you got to do is go to thespeakerlab.com slash steps. Again, that's plural. thespeakerlab.com slash steps. We're going to send you that PDF guide right to your inbox. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash steps. That's it. That's all you got to do. Go there. Hey, thanks for listening. We appreciate it. You're awesome. What is up, my friends? Graham Baldwin here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab podcast. We are here on episode 79. Yes, that is correct. Yeah, yeah, seventy-nine. We are closing in on a hundred, handy on that century mark. So excited about that. Hey, we've got a great episode for you today. i got a great guest. Before we get into today's guest and today's conversation, let me quickly remind you, if you haven't already, you definitely want to stop by freespeakerworkshop.com. Again, that is freespeakerworkshop.com. On a regular basis, we are hosting these online free trainings, teaching you all about how to find and book speaking engagements. So we teach you how much to charge. We talk about how to connect with decision makers. We talk about figuring out what you should speak about, who you should speak to, understanding how to create your website, your demo video, all. All the different pieces that go into finding and booking speaking engagements, we get into that. So you're definitely going to want to stop by freespeakerworkshop.com and check that out. All right, today we are talking with my buddy, Philip Taylor, who is the founder of FinCon, the financial blogging conference. It's a major financial conference. I actually had the opportunity to keynote this past year in 2015. I'm going to be speaking at it again this year, 2016 in San Diego. It actually falls over my birthday. So if you want to come hang out with me on my birthday, you're going to want to come to San Diego in September. So anyway, uh, Philip and I, well, he, his first name is Philip, but we call him PT. PT is what he actually goes by in, in the rest of the world. So PT and I have a great conversation and about running your own event and running your own conference. Not only that, but from a perspective of someone who's hiring speakers, what is he looking for? How does he determine what he's looking for? What are some things that speakers can do to stand out or to not stand out from the crowd whenever it comes to getting booked at conferences and events? So let's get into it. Also, just stick around because if you are interested in, in attending... Fincon this year. It's a great conference and he gives a little bonus where you can save a couple bucks. So we'll tell you about that in a few. So here we go. Here's my conversation with PT founder of Fincon. Enjoy. What's up my friends? Welcome back to the Speaker Lab podcast. Today I'm joined By my buddy, Philip Taylor, better known as PT. He is the founder and creator of FinCon, a financial bloggers conference, and really just a great online entrepreneur conference as well. So we're going to be talking today about how he created, started the conference. I know a lot of people may be interested in creating your own conference, but also in addition to that, we're going to be talking about from his perspective as someone who hires speakers and brings speakers in both free and paid, kind of what he's looking for and kind of the criteria he goes through and ways to best connect with decision makers. So PT, how are you, brother?
1: I'm doing great, Grant. Great to be here.
0: Honored to hang out with you. We had you actually on the previous podcast on how did you get into that back in episode 112. So we will link up to that in the show notes for people that want to know a little bit more about you. But I want to start by giving us the high level view of what FinCon is, the conference that you started and run, and kind of how you got started with creating it and building it.
1: Yeah. So FinCon's almost like an association conference for, like you said, financial bloggers, podcasters, people who do video, people in the online marketing space, online digital content creation space for personal finance and investing. So anyone who wants to be a future Dave Ramsey of the world is I like to say it. We got together first in 2011. Before that point, I had just gone full-time as a personal finance blogger coming from CPA world and financial world, but decided that content and uh, blogging and all that stuff... Was more fun for me, so that's what I—that's I, what I do. So the event was a natural extension of that because it was really bringing my competitors and friends together, all under one roof to talk shop. We talk about marketing, we talk about content, we talk about business, so entrepreneurship, and we talk a little bit about personal finance too. <laughs> but uh, it's a fun time I'm doing it. This, this will be our sixth year. We'll be in San Diego this year. We move it around. We've got a great group of speakers, most from the community, but we do pull in some folks from sort of the fringes, the outside uh, experts like yourself to come in and talk. Not that you're an outsider, Grant.
0: Uh, That's whatever you want to (laughs) refer to me (laughs) as.
1: But to to speak on outside topics, I guess. There you go. Outside experts to pull in to do some cool things at the show. So it's a fun time. It's a multi-track event. Lots of speakers, over 150, I believe, participate in some way. Some keynotes, some breakouts, some expert tables, round tables, and then we also have an expo hall and parties and fun stuff and all the stuff that comes with an event. So it's a fun time and yeah, I enjoy doing it.
0: Yeah, I've been there uh, two years. I'll be there again this year, the third year, and, and uh, a huge, huge fan of the conference, a huge fan of you and what you guys do. And it's just a really well-run event. You know, for someone who's been to a lot of events as a speaker, you just see kind of, even though there are hundreds and hundreds of moving pieces to an event, you guys make it look easy. And I know you got a good systems and a good team in place to help you with that. But I'm a huge, huge fan of the event. Definitely, if it's in someone's wheelhouse, I highly recommend that you check it out, especially this year. It's going to be in September 2016. And in future years as well. But uh, let's talk about this for a second. Why did you create the event in the first place, and kind of how did it come to be? Because I think there's there may be people listening going like, okay, you know, I'm kind of building a niche or an audience or a following, or I'm just intrigued in this subject or topic, and I'm interested in in putting on an event. But to go from you know late night sitting around talking about putting on an event to actually doing it is just Mm -hmm. two totally different things. So how did you kind of decide on actually putting on an event?
1: Yeah, so I just gone full time as a blogger. And so that was my part time gig or my side hustle. That became my full time gig. So I needed this new side hustle, right? I was looking for this thing to do on nights and weekends to just add more to my plate and I enjoyed our community. So, and I want to stress this I think if you're going to do an event, you know, this is sort of my biggest uh, piece of advice for future event planners. If you're going to do an event, make sure that these people already want to be together in some way. And so I was lucky enough with the FinCon community. Really, they were already hanging out online consistently. They'd known each other for several years, the core base of of the people who wanted to get together. And so really all I was doing was throwing the first meetup or throwing, throwing the first big party for everyone to come together. So I didn't necessarily have to create community, but I just was the first to say I'll bring everyone together. Now, one of the things I think I did well in that first year well, I don't want to get ahead of myself. That is, I guess, why I guess chose to do it. But I wasn't necessarily looking to, you know, be the star of the show, but I really just had a passion to see everyone come together. I'd seen folks at other events and really enjoyed that connection. I really learned a lot and I felt like it was helping my business grow. And so, you know, why not bring everyone together and, you know, kind of 10X that whole experience? So that, that was kind of the motivation behind it.
0: How do you know whenever you are, are putting together an event or are thinking about putting together an event one of the things you mentioned that's really important is making sure that the community wants to get together. How do you know if they want to get together? Like what was your sense from that standpoint? Start an email
1: list. So that's exactly what I did. I put up a website that basically said if you're interested in maybe attending this event in the future here's an email list you can join you can help participate in sort of crafting the event. So I let them basically opt in, a simple opt in of, you know, just wanting more information about it. So, And then I spread that as far as and wide as possible in social media, on the forums that people were participating in. I emailed it out to a few people just to kind of get the seed level interest. And it blew up on me. You know, before I knew it, there were 100 people on the email list. And so I knew at that point I had, you know, pretty good beginnings.
0: So that opt in uh, though was basically like just raise your hand if you're even interested like you didn't have a date you didn't have a location you didn't have a price it was just a yep. i'm just curious if anyone's even intrigued by this mm-hmm.
1: yeah the only thing i had was a name the financial blogger conference and i just you know chose the url and uh one of the things i did i think that was valuable is i also put a facebook like box on that same page with the email signup form so people could see the faces of their friends who are also liking it. So with an email list, if you get people to sign up, you sort of don't know who else is on the list. But with a Facebook like box there, it gave the whole thing social proof. Oh, JD Roth from Get Rich Slowly, one of the biggest personal finance blogs out there is going. Oh, you know, Jay Money from Budgets Are Sexy is going. So it was like, it wasn't enough that I was playing this event. It needed to have this social proof. And that's what the Facebook like box gave it. So, it does, if, if, yeah.
0: I was just going to say, it doesn't matter like how old we get. We all go back to like the teenage question of who's going to be there. And um, mm-hmm. that really determines events. And, well, you know, if such and such is going, well, then I'm more likely to go or less likely to go. It's crazy how we never really grew up from that. Mm hmm. Yeah. So it's I'm, huge. I'm curious too then, okay, so you're thinking about putting this together. Even just from a concept standpoint, you said you didn't want it to be about you. And so, how would someone know the difference there? Because there's going to be some businesses that are built around a personal brand, and then there's some that are built around a subject or topic. And it sounds like in the position you're in, it could have gone either way. So, what was the thought behind doing it for the, you know, the, the bigger community rather than just being it centered around you. Not that there's, you know, one way is better or worse than the other, but what was the thought process there?
1: The thought process was I was creating an an event that I wanted to go to. So I created an event that I wanted to go experience myself and learn that. So the sessions, well, taking a step back, when I got those people in the email list, I really open sourced the whole event process. So I, asked them I took a, a survey what type of sessions would you want to hear about I listed a bunch of topics and a bunch of ideas and they told me exactly what they wanted to have at the conference so that's I mean that was that was really the rule I followed was what did the people who signed up and said they're interested what do they want to hear when they get there and I mean I just simply followed that and it just so happened to be the stuff that I wanted to talk about too so.
0: gotcha so okay as you're putting the conference together let's say you Decide to pull the trigger on it. Was there anything that was like the tipping point that made you decide to move forward on it? Because it's again, it's one thing for a bunch of people to opt into an email list to say, "Oh yeah, I mean, if you do it, I'll I'll, I'll show up." Versus mm-hmm. like I'm actually booking a flight and I'm in sure. your case, you're booking a meeting space and you're literally putting this together. Like, what was the tipping point for you to decide to move forward on it?
1: Two tipping points. The first tipping point for the idea in general was. I read an article that said the niche blogger conference was going to be the next big thing in conferences. And so that all that sort of gave me permission. There wasn't really a niche personal finance blogging conference at the time. So that was kind of really what got me up out of the bed at you know, 12 o'clock at night and made me go build the website. The second piece that after I started collecting emails and sort of getting interest, I think that what tipped me over was getting yeses from J.D. Roth and Pat Flynn that they would participate as keynotes for me.
0: Yeah.
1: And so at that point, I had their commitment. I had their buy-in, their partnership. And so I knew, you know, I had confidence that, you know, with those two guys that I could... You know, really having a, a nice event. People would come out, and the risk level fell way down for me when I had those two guys involved.
0: Let's, uh, I want to get to about from the booking speaker standpoint, but let's wrap up with this in terms of at least throwing a conference. You've done this many times now. The event has grown substantially, continues to grow, and it's just, again, a really, really well run, well just really quality event. What are some just key lessons that you've learned, Mm -hmm. things that you would do differently for someone that's going, all right, I'm thinking about throwing my first event, or I've got one coming up in a couple months. What are some things that uh, you've learned along the way that have, have really made a significant difference?
1: Sure. I've learned just, like I said initially, really just try to listen to the audience you're building the event for. If you've got a passion for the subject yourself, listen to your own interest as well, because if you create something valuable for yourself, other people... On the same level, we're going to find it valuable as much as possible. Partner with the community to create new aspects of it. So my staff is really small—only two or three people that help me run the event uh, on a more part or full-time basis. And so, you know, really look for opportunities within the community to, like our award show, for instance, that we have at the event is completely run by a partner that I have uh, that you know really manages the whole process. And so, there's lots of little pieces to the conference that members of our community take ownership in. It gives them something to invest in and be a part of. And it takes a lot off my plate. Events can be profitable. It took me four years to get to that point, but it is possible if you continue to stick with it and grow it and focus on your budget, but also focus on ways to add value both to your partners, sponsors, and to the attendees. So for instance, my event you really needs to be a kind of a low cost event just because we're really association. I really want the feeling that everyone is there, and everyone can't be there unless it's, there's a low entry point. So, what I try to do is create tiered pricing, so create some sort of added value pricing that comes at more of a premium, and I can get away with charging more for that. And so that's really where we've seen a lot of our profit increase is by creating some of those tiers. Lots of other lessons, but I'll leave you with those. And if you have any questions about event planning, I'm always open to talk shop. So hit me up at PT at FenCon Expo if you want to chat.
0: Nice. Well, we may have, to, uh, may have to have you on another time just to talk all about the event standpoint because uh, again, there's a whole lot that goes into that. But let's talk about the, the speaker side of it because obviously, you've at this point you've brought in literally hundreds and hundreds of speakers over the years. So let's kind of just talk about that process. So first of all, let's mm-hmm. start with. FinCon itself, you kind of touched on this. You've got a couple of main stage keynote speakers. You have a lot of breakout speakers. You've got some roundtable. Kind of talk about the distinction between those three and kind of what you're looking for in each of those types of, of sessions.
1: Sure. We have really a multi-track event. And so the main keynote time period each day is, is only an hour or two. And so I want those talks to be really centered around broad topics, uh, higher level and be more inspiring or motivational in nature and so less tactical information. So I'm really looking for someone to come in and be motivational, inspirational or just kind of speak from a higher level and uh, really guide the conversation of the conference. So I'd really love for those, if we're doing three full days of the conference and we do three keynotes, then I'd love for those three keynotes just really weave a thread, a message through the event. Mm-hmm. And so you kind of have an opener a beginning and a close on that. So. Naturally, you want, you know, maybe a little motivation up front or inspiration up front and the motivational back or uh, a little more, you know, higher level thinking in the middle. Then we have our breakout sessions, which really feature people from our community uh, for the most part that are there to bring sort of what they've been doing back to the community. We do a lot of success story type of breakout sessions where people are showing examples or case studies, kind of bringing or what they've done in the past year. We also feature experts, like I said, sort of from outside the community who may bring like one of their, maybe not canned talks, but something they've done elsewhere. I don't mind that as long as it hasn't been shown in our community before. And then, uh, like you said, we have, in terms of the breakouts, we have uh, five main breakout rooms and then two additional breakouts when the expo hall is going on. So, all in all, seven breakout rooms, which seems nuts to me. But
0: got a lot of moving pieces.
1: Yeah. And then, of course, we have ask the expert tables. So, throughout the conference, we'll have an area where our attendees can just show up at a scheduled time and book a meeting with an expert in a particular area. So, they just have that burning question they want to get answered. They can sit down with an expert and do that. And then we also have some roundtable discussions that we're going to try to implement this year where we sort of take some speakers who you know, are experts in an area and basically they'll be facilitating a conversation about a particular topic. So that's kind of the format of it. I typically, it sort of changes from year to year. I'm still kind of a growing conference, but for the most part, you know, I try to pay our keynotes because I'm hoping that they'll prepare something original and spend hopefully several hours putting something together for our, our specific for our, our audience. For the breakouts, for the most part, since it's members of the community filling those needs, you know, I, I try to uh, you know, certainly give them a free pass. But if we have some subject matter experts in particular who I'm having to go get for some of those roles, then I may end up uh, paying some of those folks, or at least picking up travel, things like that. Gotcha. And yeah, I mean, for the most part, if you come and speak at FinCon, you know, you get to come for free or participate on our pro pass level, which I think is a pretty sweet premium ticket option so yeah it's a pretty good setup i found a good balance the first year i did it i just paid everyone a hundred dollar gift card and that's about all i had at the end of the conference so but it's evolved and and i've sort of found a happy medium with how it kind of works so
0: let's talk about one of the things that you touched on that I really like and I think it's important to note is the distinction between what you're looking for in a keynote versus a workshop. So a keynote's going to typically be more broad. It's going to appeal to pretty much everyone at the conference Whereas Mm -hmm. your workshops, your breakouts are going to be more of a niche type of topic and it's going to be more, you know, in the weeds or in the trenches of something and just the nuance and details of it. So it may just be for a small subset there. So I think that's just important for speakers to know that is your topic applicable to the entire conference and to the entire audience and Mm -hmm. or versus just a, a smaller subset. And even like you kind of talked about in terms of fees, that typically in most conference settings, typically your keynotes are paid and your workshop presenters are not. Although, like you said, there may be some maybe different here and there. But for the most part, as a general rule, keynotes are paid, workshop presenters, breakouts are not there. So let's talk about this. How do you, since if we're listening to this, people are going, well, I, you know, I'd prefer to be paid versus not paid. So how do I get a keynote slot? So how do people get on your radar to mm-hmm. for a slot like that?
1: Sure. For the most part, I'm finding them. Uh, seeking those folks out if you speak at fincon before so if you do a breakout session one year and uh, you get a lot of positive feedback and i know that you're i can tell you're a speaker who's capable of sort of taking it up a higher level to speak to the audience or you're just i'm seeing in your career and in your trajectory that You're just someone who's really taking it to the next level. So what I want to get away from as a conference planner and as the founder of FinCon is the idea that I'm some kingmaker, right? Right. I don't want to be a kingmaker. I don't want people leveraging my platform to bring themselves to a higher level. My goal is to go find the people who are already becoming kings and queens, so to speak, and pluck them out and pull it and put them in front of our audience. So that's kind of the perspective I have is, you know, I just want to be the curator. And so that's kind of where how I do my research in the off season, but it really, it's a, sometimes it's like a two or three year process, like Noah Kagan, for instance, you know, he uh, did a workshop for me the first year he came, and then he, I'm, I'm sorry, he did like an expert table the first year, and then last year he did a breakout session, and he'd be someone who would be good at some point to do a great keynote, but it's really been building now for a few years, so it's not something you just could sort of show up on instantly and say, I'm going to be a keynote at FinCon. It really, it kind of uh, has to bubble up with me, at least, yeah, and then... Uh, unless unless you're just out there doing awesome stuff and for whatever reason I've never been able to get a hold of you and now I finally am able to get a hold of you, then we can maybe work something out. But our event is really an association event. So I know if you you know, if you've never heard of us or you've there's gotta be another reason for me to bring you in. You're gonna either sell some tickets for me or you're just the perfect fit for what I'm looking for that year. So it's gonna be less about what someone pitches to me and kind of where my mind is at you know for yep. the keynote
0: stuff well and a couple of things that you mentioned there i want to highlight is first of all this is a, a long-term process this is not something where a lot of times it's uh, there are certainly events that they they're just looking for a speaker and you come in at the right time and it, you're just the outside hired gun but in your case you're really curating your speakers and so a lot of the speakers that you're bringing in you have a relationship with and so i know you know that's that's a big reason why you hired me last year was because we had an existing relationship and you know to to piggyback on something else that you said was that I came the year before and did a, a free workshop and I that's one of the things I tell speakers all the time is that there's huge huge value in speaking for free one year with the potential that maybe they would hire you in a future year again using myself or like you said, Noah, as an example, that there's a chance that they could be hired into the future because you're building that relationship and because you're building that rapport and because you're able to present and speak and invest into the conference and the attendees and you as the conference planner get that feedback of this worked or this didn't or this person resonated with our audience or they didn't. And then also just along those same lines, just meeting in person really changes the dynamic of it. And- so Go ahead. It
1: really does. I mean, I need that trust level, you know, that this person is going to get up there in front of everyone that's there at the event and is going to say something, you know, is, isn't going to say something inappropriate or isn't, you know, going to go off on... Left field somewhere,
0: so yeah. Some political financial rant, sure. In a, yeah, uh, yeah, in a election year, so. All right. Which I think that's another great point there. I think one of the things that's important to note from a speaker perspective is part of what you are hiring for is yes, we're there to deliver content, but we're also there to not embarrass you and to make <laughs> you look good. I mean, really, that's that's a big piece of what sure. you're hiring for is. Every speaker that goes up on stage is a small extension and a representation of you. So if you put up bad speakers it makes you look bad and in turn could potentially start you know you have a couple swings and misses it could start to hurt attendance it could start to hurt your revenue for the conference because you're putting up bad people. So there's a lot on the line there whenever you are hiring a speaker. So I just I want to just point that out for mm-hmm. speakers that are listening to say you know they're really an event planner is really sticking their neck out on the line to you know whether they've got a boss or not that for the attendees and for everyone involved that you make as a speaker you make make them look good and you validate their decision to put you up on stage yep
1: so uh okay let's talk hey, about- i don't want to let you forget well, before we move from this conversation that i did invite you to speak at the fir- very first in so i was working on you a long
0: time <laughs> you did <laughs> the first one in uh, chicago i did yeah i don't remember that i'm gonna <laughs> double check my emails <laughs> I'm going to go back and reference that now. All right. So that's in terms of the keynotes. A lot of it comes from those relationships. A lot of it is people that are already doing something. But you mentioned one of the ways to get your foot in the door is maybe coming and presenting a free workshop. And so you mentioned you've got, there's a lot of potential sessions there for speakers. So how do you accept proposals for workshop? What does that format kind of look like?
1: Sure. We're, you know, a thousand person event at this point. So we have a lot of demand to speak on the stage there. So I've really tried to at least batch process the whole thing as much as possible. And so it's just difficult for me to take one off emails about, speaking ideas or even for my team to sort of handle that. So we really had to create a form, a database for people to enter into. And then when we're ready to start making decisions on speakers, we kind of go work through that form. That form has all the information that we need to make decisions. It also has everything we need once we select you to present you to our audience. So we collect everything from the beginning down to your phone number that you'll have when you're at the event, so it's a big ask up front for the submission, but it really is the only way we can get away with it without a too much back and forth or, or the early route without uh, making us go crazy about selecting speakers. One thing I wish we had a little more transparency in is is sort of what submissions have been made versus what options are there available. And so I know there's a legitimate concerns from people who want to submit something. And so I would suggest to your audiences, if you've got sort of a blind opportunity like this to submit an idea and you really can't get a sense of if it's the right thing or if there's a need for that, just submit multiple sessions, you know, if if it's possible, submit multiple ideas. I I love, I love those. Yeah. I love that because I want to be able to work with you. And if you give me two or three chances to be able to do that, more likely you are to uh, make it into the mix. So.
0: Yeah, that's a good point, and like I, did, I just mentioned, that the even this year, I mean, we were talking a little bit about this offline. I'd submitted, you know, we had talked a little bit before, and just like, hey, you know, I, since I'd keynoted, it, you didn't have me come back. I personally wanted to be back either way, but rather than just saying like, hey, here's what I talk about, and this is it, take it or leave it, of I personally submitted three different proposals and just, say, hey, man, just tell me what, what you need and what makes sense. And like you said, the more proposals you've got to choose from, even from an individual speaker, the mm-hmm. more likely you're going to find a spot for them that may make sense there. So in your case, you've got the typical call for proposals you've got the website and the form to fill out i think from a speaker standpoint it can feel easy to feel like is this really going anywhere am i getting lost in the shuffle how do i stand out if your team is getting ready to look through a hundred proposals and you're going to just choose let's say 20 of them what do i need to do within my proposal or even my multiple proposals to stand out and increase my odds of getting picked Mm
1: -hmm. yeah i think you need to uh fill out the form accurately. You need to also sort of understand the concept of our tracks and sort of what we're looking for. I mean, we reject a lot of stuff just because it's not filled out completely or because it's really left field for us and doesn't fit at our conference at all. So it's obvious that people didn't take the time or didn't pay attention. So that's sort of a given. You got to do those things. Um, to stand out further though, give us social proof, show us who you are and show us why you matter. So we will, you know, check out your Twitter, followers or see kind of what social reach you have, those things do kind of play a factor. You know, if we're looking at two sessions that are sort of the same, I mean, it would make sense that we would really pick someone who maybe has a bigger reach and is being, you know, has been more effective out there, has more experience. So just kind of show us who you are and really with your submission, really give us a sense of the takeaways for the audience. And that's about it. I mean. We really have sort of an open inventory of needs for the event, and so we're going to slowly fill them with the choices that we have available to us. So I think your, your, your title matters, so a nice catchy title, but it's also descriptive. It also helps because at some point we stop down and we stop making decisions and we say, okay, we've got this sort of pool left of great talks. And we send that over to the audience and we let them make a a choice at that point. So I think a title in that case really means a lot. So spend a lot of time working on your title, maybe run it by some friends before you submit it, just to make sure it's interesting and also descriptive gives and can sort of stand alone without seeing the rest of the copy of the description of the title. So that's kind of some tips I would say.
0: One thing that you mentioned in there too, is just submitting your proposal as early as possible in the process. Because like you Absolutely. said, you're not waiting until you have every single possible proposal in to make your decisions. It sounds like yeah. you're just kind of making some decisions as they filter in. So you know, just, just statistically, your odds are better of getting picked and, and if you're submitting something early on versus if you're waiting until the last minute.
1: No doubt. And if you're, for instance, in my community, if you've submitted something from day one and then you maybe signed up for the conference, you joined our Facebook group, you're in there, you're helping people, you're asking questions, you're participating. You're really a part of the community already. That skyrockets your chances of being selected.
0: Gotcha. What about in terms of, I've submitted my proposal, and in some cases it may be you know weeks or oftentimes months before you hear anything. Is there any way that a speaker can follow up to see how things are going in the process, or if there's anything else that we need, or To make ourselves stand out in that situation without that, always that fine line of, I wanna follow up and make sure I stay top of mind, but I don't wanna be annoying. So, what Mm -hmm. does that look like from your perspective as a decision maker?
1: You know, if it's an earnest email, you know, I don't mind the earnest emails about, hey, I'm trying to decide between a couple of events and, you know, I really wanna go to FinCon, but I need to make a decision now. I don't mind that email. But if it's just literally, let me know, let me know, let me know that's kind of annoying. What I would probably do to stay top of mind with me is to socialize things about the event, socialize some of our content, our podcasts we put out, and really just be a promoter of the event without really expecting anything in return, but also mentioning us in your tweets so that we know that you're out there sharing our content. We know that you're out there sort of promoting what we're doing because part of the reason we want to bring you in as a speaker is because we know you'll help attract an audience. So if you're out there doing that already, before we even select you then that uh, bodes well for you
0: gotcha let's wrap up with one final piece so let's imagine that uh someone listening to this and just as speakers in general that we are picked to go speak at a conference whether it be a, a workshop or a keynote paid free either way we show up to speak at the event again you've got a lot of moving pieces as an event planner and a decision maker there so what are some things that we can do on our end as speakers that just make your life easier
1: Uh, just be friendly to my AV staff I've worked with these guys for six years now and so uh, be friendly to them (laughs) they they do their best and also you know engage with the audience stick around throughout the rest of the event that would be nice in fact that's sort of built into our agreement that we need you there at the front of the event in the back so we do that because we want you there the whole time so be engaging be available don't just go back to your hotel room we'd love to see you actually participate in the event you know, obviously present your information, don't pitch too much and be available for questions. We have so many speakers, really the onus is on you to, you know, present yourself in a professional quality way. And and if you're, you don't do that, then that, that'll come out in our results and, you know, probably wouldn't be asked to participate again. But, you know, just kind of be a general, cool, active member of the community and bring value in your talk. Be there on time and be nice to our AV guys.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's simple stuff, right? But those simple things sure. can make a huge, huge difference of, like you said, those, those AV guys should be every speaker's best friend. They can make you look and sound way better than you actually are. Right.
1: So, and, yeah. and, you know, I know people are stressed right before they get up to talk, but you don't have to be a jerk to, you know, the people who I'm working with, uh, you know. Right before you do that. So,
0: you need them on your side. So, that's you, right. you need to be friendly to them and make sure that they, you appreciate them and let them know that you're, you know, that they're doing a good job, that they're doing their best. And, and there's times where sometimes uh, there's an issue. It's not their fault. Maybe it's, sure. there are times where I know for me, I've been on stage and the mic goes out and there's nothing that they could have done. It was just, you know, there's some power glitch or there's some issue right. that was beyond their control. So, like you pouring water on the carpet. Yeah, right? just <laughs> little things like that. Just <laughs> dumping water here and there and, and making the decision maker and event planner nervous. <laughs> Good times there. All right, so hey, if people want to find out more about FinCon and uh, find out more about you and, and what you guys are up to, where can we go?
1: Yeah, hit us up at FinConExpo.com. You can also tweet us at FinCon or tweet me at PTMoney
0: awesome well we'll be sure and uh, link up to all of that in the show notes and again i'm a huge huge fan of fincon i'm going to be there this year 2016 speaking about something yet to be determined so we'll figure that out in the meantime but a uh, great conference and i uh, hope to see uh, a lot of good people there so pt thanks for the time brother
1: oh such a pleasure being on thanks grant
0: All right. There you go. Hope you enjoyed that conversation with Philip Taylor, PT, founder of FinCon. All around great dude. Just a big, big fan of uh, of PT and just he's a great guy. Hey, again, if you want to register for FinCon and save 50 bucks off the ticket, you can use the promo code GRANT. Again, put that promo code in there for grant and you will uh, save 50 bucks. That's sweet. Huh? Got to like that. Save 50 bucks on the FinCon ticket. I like it. All right. Hopefully we will see you in San Diego for FinCon. It's going to be a lot of fun. And again, I'm going to be there speaking again this year. can't wait. And I can't wait to see you there. You better be there. It's going to be a lot of fun. All right. That wraps up episode 79. Yeah, let's go 79. Catch you next time, my friends. You're awesome.